0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager. The protection pass is caught, first down at the twenty-five. There's Schultz again. Giant secondary has some picks this year for sure as Prescott steps into it. Cooper, touchdown Dallas. The only thing else I can say is, how about them Cowboys?
1: How about them Cowboys indeed. All right, 44-20 is your final from AT&T Stadium as your Cowboys win their fourth straight and prove once again in 2021 that no one Will stand in their way in the NFC East. So welcome in to another postgame edition of About Them Cowboys. I'm ken Garrison, letting you know that this podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. And I'm also welcoming in the best of the best when it comes to reacting to all things Dallas Cowboys. It's from the Athletic and the Ticket, Saad Youssef. Live from AT&T Stadium, your intrepid Cowboys beat writer, Father John Machoda, and from the Ben and Skin Show and sports and such, say your DVRs. It's Kevin KT Turner. Let's go ahead and take it away, KT. Nah,
2: no, thank you, Kent. Really appreciate it. And I want to waste no time getting live to AT&T Stadium with John Machoda for his takeaways. It was a game, John, where it's on one hand, complete domination, open to shut, but on the other hand, some unforced errors kind of kept a, a bad Giants team kind of in it longer than usual. What, what are your thoughts uh, immediately uh, reacting to this game?
3: It was ugly early on, uh, and the, the team will never say this, but I think they took him kind of lightly. Dak did say right after the game that he doesn't know if it's because of this was the one-year anniversary of the injury, but just the way he came out, he didn't he didn't feel like he was his normal self. You know, almost like a little bit like slower than he normally does. Like he wasn't completely into it for some reason, like mentally he just seemed like he was a little off. It took him a little bit longer than usual to get into the game and kind of how he goes, the rest of the team goes. Um, but then Saquon Barkley goes down and you're just like, that's their best playmaker. And then Daniel Jones goes down and Kenny Galladay. And you're just kind of like, is there any way the Giants are going to make this a game? And they did for a little bit there. Let's remember, like, the Cowboys, yeah, they're on a four-game winning streak, but they're still a relatively young team, and they're not going to just, you know, although they look like one of the best teams in the NFL, they're not going to just come out there and just handle business against everybody, you know? And, I, and I'm sure that there was a little bit of the way the game started out is like, this is the this Giants team is not on our level, you know? They're never going to say that, but that's the way it looked to me. Yeah, I
4: think, uh, I think that's, that's spot on. And I think the one thing that jumped out to me overall, big picture from this game it's just the fact that this was the running game and the defense that kind of won this game and, and we talked so much about the passing game uh, with this team but you know oftentimes I, I think running running stats uh, rushing stats are often skewed because a lot of times it, they're like oh if you had a great rushing game, you know it was the running attack but really it's because you you got up big and then you were running at the end of the game. but this time the Cowboys were running from the beginning like they actually used the running game. To get out, get out on top of the Giants and the defense. Randy Gregory and Osa Digizua. It just seemed like those two guys were in the backfield all the time, and it was it, it just I, I don't know. Watching from home, it just really popped off the
0: screen.
2: You know, and, and Kadarius Tony, you know, uh, it got to the get to the Cowboys a little bit, but that was literally all the Giants had. he's a tough cover and things like that. But like watching that game, what sod said about the running game, five yards a pop for the Cowboys, both Zeke and Tony Pollard. We're finally seeing a formula. And maybe I kind of thought an identity of this team, and it could change week to week, but I kind of thought the identity of this team would be throw, 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 get ahead, put teams away in the second half running. You know, you have another game where Zeke has 21 carries. Pollard has about 14 carries. We've seen him have a 20 and 10 day and things like that. It feels like that might be the way. Even though they threw the ball, I think Dak was, had 32 attempts. Or Dak was, what, 22 of 33? Yeah, 20, 20, Dak was 22 of 32. Um, we've seen games, him win games where, you know, he's in the 20s, and they just continue to win those games. So maybe that is the way they go. The, the, the point is, there's no stopping the Cowboys' offense. I mean, maybe the Patriots and Belichick next week, and we'll cover that later in the week find a way but no one's been able to shut them down yet well and one thing i want to
3: do say about the whole being because to me i think the running game has been the most impressive part of the offense you know that this offense can throw the ball Dak's playing at an elite level he has amari cooper he has cd lamb i think two things that have also fed them kind of or put them in this direction is you haven't had michael gallup if you throw him out there I think you want him out there more than your two tight ends, your run set. So I think with Michael Gallup returning, it can change it. And then the other one is they're just a better run-blocking team than they are a pass-blocking team. So you're, and, and maybe that changes as the season goes on, but like you feel a lot better when you're run-blocking with Tyler Biotish. You feel better run-blocking yeah. when you have Terrence Steele. And you feel good either or, or with, with Zach or, or Tyron. And, and you'll probably feel good either or once Lyle Collins gets back. But where they are right now as a team, I just think lends them to be better with the run and the pass.
2: Yeah, no, there's no, no doubt about it. And again, it's another week where Dalton Schultz is your leader in catches, which sounds wild given all the all the names we know, but there was no shortage of big plays. CeeDee Lamb, obviously huge in this game, and then Amari Cooper both make their presence felt in the first half. And that to me was kind of... Kind of the big one was the Amari Cooper touchdown right at the end of the half. Really felt like a backbreaker for the Giants.
4: No, yeah, I mean it it did. And you know, to to your point about Dalton Schultz, also, like I just think uh, it 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 seems like a lot of deja vu with how early Jason Witten was. I mean, you see some of those like where some of those routes where he goes, it's exactly that Y option that he ran with Romo. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of of him also stretching the middle of the field. So don't get me wrong, it's not. I think you can't get you can't think of Jason Witten the last few years. If you think back to like oh seven oh eight, like I'm talking those years, Jason Witten. That's I think Dalton Schultz actually looks a lot more like that than Blake Jarwin ever did, and that's not taking anything away from Blake Jarwin because I think he's more of a pure receiving tight end um, in that sense. And so, you know, I agree with you, KT. I think I think Dalton Schultz has been a huge factor, and I think you're kind of seeing uh, the the players kind of come to fruition now. Five weeks in, you're seeing Dalton Schultz. Okay, he, this might actually be tight end one, and you're at, you're seeing the receivers come into what they are. I mean, Cedric Wilson, like the fact that that's your fourth wide receiver is absolutely incredible. He's, so
1: he's an unbelievable, man. of the yeah. plays he he is just blowing my mind lately. I just had to I just had to interject that. Sorry. Shout out to Cedric.
2: No, yeah, yeah. I agree. I also think like when I'm looking at like. This team, you when know, we've talked about this a lot in the division, is going to have games where for some reason it just doesn't feel right. I mean, the thing that happened on 4th and 2, they were playing fast and they were almost playing so fast that a mistake was bound to happen because that 4th and 2 play, it's simple. Ezekiel was open and Dak just didn't get enough loft under the ball. Interception. Tough. Good play by Lorenzo Carter. The snap thing has been a problem. Uh, it continues yeah. to be a problem. A little yeah. worried about that, yeah. It's but, not
3: getting better either. KT, that's a that's yeah. a good thing to note right now. I would say, especially when you're watching these games from the press box angle, you're just like, how many snaps in a row are even like where they need to be? And I would say, I'm not sitting here saying it's like 50 50. I mean, I would say it's like you know, 85 90% are man, that 10%. It really is just, I mean, and Dak's a good athlete. I mean, he's he's able to kind of regain you know, pick up the ball, you know, reach down, whatever he has to do to kind of keep everything going. But man, and then the other part about it is, is that they're clearly working with Connor McGovern. They're clearly working with Connor Williams that, and those two are not on the level that Tyler Biotis is. So you're just kind of like, do you just keep doing this until Beadish gets better? Because again, like for as much, many times as we sat here on the air and talked about how like, you know, this Mike McCarthy call or, you know, this decision here, like this could end up costing him. I think, I think some of these snaps could end up costing him in, in a, in a game against another good opponent late in the game uh, where I'm not necessarily saying it's a fumble, but it just throws the timing off of a key play in a big situation.
2: And and they're probably not going to go down a path of a change, I don't think, until – I mean, they would have to be blown away by what they were seeing by Connor McGovern in practice. And the other thing I would say, they're going to have a lot of games like this um, where it's a little sleepy in the first half maybe. Um, because the the Eagles don't appear to be good. they got to win over the Panthers today. Washington, who knows? I mean, they, they got beat by New Orleans again, but they don't afi- uh, appear to be some formidable opponent. They're going to have some games where they're the clear, better team, and it's a little sleepy, and for them to go win that thing the way they did and close it out, I, I thought that was a, a really good sign. And I think you might hear there, I would imagine some players aren't you know, down for any talks about like that. Like, oh, yeah, well, we, we played bad and still won. I don't think they played bad at all. I think they just had those unforced errors, and it was a little sleepy, and it's almost like they're going to win some games, basically, where they're kind of playing with their food a little bit, and that's okay. Good teams have done that for years. We've seen the Patriots play with their food for years, and they end up, you know, winning games, and, oh, they farted around with the Giants, I mean, with the Dolphins for a little bit, and then there they are walking away with it, and, I feel like we're going to get three, four, five games like this this year, and that's why I'm not going to be very critical at all of this team's effort today because I don't think you can be. I think they just kicked butt all game long. You don't have
3: any issue with anything Mike McCarthy did? Because I I don't, but I just want to make sure that we're on the same page here.
2: Isn't it great how if it's a blowout, he's not forced to make any game-changing decisions? That's the way to... Minimize him messing anything. I was even trying
3: to be negative. I was trying to give you a chance to be positive about this. No,
4: I. You know what? I'll jump in and I will be positive about something before the game was even. uh, Before the game was even like you know out of hand in the second half and stuff. I really liked the fact that they went for it on fourth and two. They didn't get it, and then the fact that they came back on the next drive and they didn't hesitate to go for it again um because like you know sometimes early on in the game when you're when you when it looks like you're sleepy a little bit when you look like you're not really you know grooving the way that you want to and you just missed a fourth and two and then they had another fourth and two you know where they had the sweep uh the sweep right um sometimes as a coach you can be like all right let's settle down a little bit let get let's get points on the board whatever the case may be and I really like the fact that they didn't do that and they just kept the Kept the foot on the gas, and I I think I think he deserves some credit for that.
2: So you know, when 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 Saquon uh, went out on that second drive, and and there are reports now coming out that he was you know on crutches and in a boot, so that's not good for the Giants, obviously. But that really did feel like a turning moment. But we we got to talk about Trayvon Diggs, right? Another interception, Uh, honestly. Could have been two more that were close. One on the drag wrap to Holiday, uh, Kenny Galladay, where he got a little banged up, and then one on the sideline where he tried to keep his feet in. It was like, okay, it's just a matter of time before he gets another one, and then he finally did on the deep ball.
3: Yeah, and maybe this is rubbing off on Anthony Brown too. I mean, I don't yeah. You know, we don't get to talk to Anthony Brown very much because again, you know, we don't have like normal open locker room. You know, we get five or six players after the game. And generally the, with the way things have been going, your five or six players, are going to be Zeke, Amari, CD, Dak, Trayvon, you know, so we haven't had a chance to really talk with Anthony Brown, but I'm sure that he has a chip on his shoulder, literally with uh, the tattoo. He has um, oh <laughs> of all the talk that, you know, anytime someone comes available, you know, uh, Richard Sherman, a uh, Stefan Gilmore, that it's like, oh, the Cowboys need to be in on this guy. I know he hears that. And so, uh, to see him end the game like that, and, and not only end the game with that pick six, but keep their streak going of uh, consecutive games uh, with at least two takeaways. I thought that was nice to see, too. And he, there could be more opportunities for like for him to bake plays like that just because of the fact that, I mean, common sense would tell you, aren't teams going to just start being like we just can't throw towards Trayvon Diggs? I mean, Amari Cooper talked about it several times last week that he is – joked around with Trayvon like hey enjoy these because they're about to stop going from you and I mean obviously Amari would know that um, one thing though that does benefit Trayvon is that he isn't a guy that just stays on one side of the field he is a guy that will follow uh, another team's top receiver so there will be opportunities like that going forward i just it's stunning to think that this okay like I think we would all agree that we expected Trayvon Diggs team in interceptions this year but I think we would have said with probably five or six, and he's already at that number through five it just it, it really is crazy. I mean, he has to be serious consideration for defensive player of the year at this point.
2: It's it's insane. You, we could have never predicted it that it would be this much. And again, I don't again I don't know how much that goes back to just the teams choosing to continue to go that way. We saw him take a shot at Jordan Lewis one time. And it's like, okay, well, you you should maybe know that. Like Jason Garrett's like, I got a good run on Jason Garrett uh, on Jordan Lewis. We'll take a shot at him. And uh had an open man and it was and and Daniel Jones overthrew John Ross. And there's a couple plays like that, that were kind of that were kind of wild. I I still can't believe they're they're throwing at him uh, as much as they are. And then on the other hand, really I thought I thought Leighton Vanderush was pretty good. You didn't hear his name a lot, but I thought he played pretty good stopping the run today. You saw him make a few tackles in the middle. Uh, we saw Jabril Cox get in there and make a few plays. I mean, all around Oh, and there's a play. J. Ron Kearse, uh, at least two or three times a game, will make a play that just it, it alters uh, it alters a play in some sort. There was one where he was blocked by Booker, the running back, and he ended up staying on his feet and ended up tipping the ball uh, when Daniel Jones threw it. And it's like, Jaron J. Ron Curse making another play again. It's just like a lot of unsung heroes that's become outside of Trayvon Diggs and and Micah Parsons and and maybe Randy Gregory owning Nate Solder all day long. This real good team effort that we haven't had in years. We we've counted on individual performances, um, so really strong individual performances by certain defensive players to have good defensive outings, and it really does feel like it's all coming together one big defensive unit.
4: Yeah, and okay, let me just run this by you guys, if just to make sure I'm not like. Overreacting to this guy, but obviously Trayvon Diggs, Randy Gregory, those are the names. Even Demarcus Lawrence, when he's back in something, but I'm I'm just really excited about Osa Digizua. Like this guy is just in the backfield all the time. Like it's incredible how how uh, not just efficient he is, but how consistent he is. Like you don't always see that with the big guys, especially in the Rod Marinelli years. You know where there was so much rotation, so many guys cycling in and out. Osa Digizua has become has become such a staple for this defense, and I don't, I just don't think. I think it's kind of what you wanted Neville Gallimore to be, uh, and and what you thought he might be when he flashed against Pittsburgh last year, and things like that. But I think Osa Digizua is a guy who, you know, when Demarcus Lawrence comes back and Randy Gregory is still there, that could really be a huge factor for this team.
3: No, and when they get Neville Gallimore back too, I think that'll be a big one as as well. Uh that's the thing. There is a lot of help on the way. And, and I guess my big takeaway from this game is there's clearly something, something good going on with this Cowboys team, whether it's what we see on defense, the way the offense is clicking. But the thing that you take away from this game is that they just have to avoid the situation that the Giants had today. And that's where you lose Daniel Jones, you lose Saquon Barkley, you lose Kenny Galladay. If they can avoid those types of injuries and, and start getting healthy and keep building on what they have right here this has a chance to be a team that really makes a serious playoff run if they keep heading in that right direction anything is like one play away from changing everything i mean let's not act like that saquon barkley injury happened on like some big tackle on some big run that he had or 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 you know you know busting up the middle and and he got rolled up on by like some 300 pound lineman I mean, it was him just stopping himself and then accidentally getting tripped up by Jordan Lewis when a play was over. I mean, it just, I don't know, it just was kind of a reminder when you see some of these things, just how quick things can change. And so, you know, while we sit here and, you know, maybe we're not talking about how this is just like the greatest win ever. These are the type of wins you just take it and you're just happy you got out uh, without any major injuries. Because, I mean, even look at the Zeke thing, when he rolled up and grabbed his back, I mean, it kind of looked like, ooh, this might be something kind of serious. And obviously it wasn't. He came back into the game. And uh, after the game, the Cowboys announced that they didn't have any injuries to share. So that's obviously a good sign. But if they if they can avoid the injuries and obviously COVID, uh, you know, the, the way that this team is going is certainly in, in, a, in a direction that reminds you a lot of 14 and 16. And it might even be better than those years.
4: Yeah. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, I was thinking like it reminds me a little bit of 2007. And, and I was just thinking about that. And I was like, I was like, wow, like what happened in 2007? And I was like, oh, they were five and zero. Uh, against New England in Week Six, uh, when the Patriots beat them, and guess who they have Week Six this year? So, um, kind of, kind of reminded me a little bit of two thousand seven too. But, um, but I do think you know, real quick, KT, you mentioned Jabril Cox, like, not, not that I like to take any pleasure in, in you know, uh pouring it on Jalen Smith here, but I'm just saying, like, you know, to for. In the first game that Jalen isn't a Cowboy, for Jabril Cox to not only have the hit on Daniel Jones but recover the onside kick, like you know, it just it it just and Keanu Neal was back out there, so it just kind of showed you the depth they have at linebacker. And you didn't even you didn't I mean I don't I don't think in the first games that Jalen Smith played, you missed Jalen Smith when he wasn't on the field, but you really didn't even you you totally forgot that that whole big shocking news even happened this week because of how good the defense was.
2: Yeah, no, no. I didn't even, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't really think about it outside of when uh, on the TV broadcast Troy said that Jalen was active in the Green Bay game, and he was not. Um, but he'll probably be active next week for Green Bay. Uh, and I also, I, I was, I did question a little bit, you know, how they would come out with that thing that dropped and Leighton Vanderush's comments during the week and things like that. Turns out meant nothing. They were all ready to play, they were all ready to ball. And, and Leighton Van Der Esch had had a good game, as I said earlier. I, I want to hit on a couple other things that we, we might gloss over sometimes, but in a blowout, I feel like we should mention them. Greg Zerline, 3-for-3 three three on field goals. And that punt return that CeeDee Lamb had was really was really good. I mean, it's just a standard uh, 17-yard punt return. But for him to reverse field like that and just kind of show, once again, how explosive he can be. And they were kind of talking about Another thing Troy was talking about on the TV broadcast was how if he was Dak, he wouldn't like handing the ball off to CD Lamb in between the tackles. But I was up thinking about this before the game. I've really thought about it the last few weeks. It it is time to maybe get CD Lamb involved a little more in the offense. Now I, I don't know how crucial that is as we've been been going because you've been running the ball so well and you've been you know spreading the ball around so much. You know, I hadn't really felt. Like uh, there's any reason to mix things up too much, but I've have had in the back of my head, we do maybe need to get C.D. Lamb a few more touches, and there's some ways to do it just like that, and and those'll those'll be key in, in those tighter games against better teams. And speaking of something Troy said, going back
3: to uh, the Jalen Smith thing, real quick, uh, you know, Troy pointed out at the end of the game, a lot of this has to do with Dak. Like if they, as far as they go, when you look back on however far that is. He's going to be a major part of it. And it's because not just because he's the quarterback in his play, but he is the leader of this group. And he's the reason why I, I didn't think that there would be any kind of, let's say Jalen hangover uh, because yeah. they follow him. And as long as he's leading and he's normal Dak and he's doing what he's doing, everything else seems normal to them. And I just get that feeling as a team that that's the way that they are. As long as that's the guy there, that's the guy that we follow. We'll be good. And I did find it interesting that, you know, Jalen before games, is generally the player in the middle of the huddle uh, right before they go in the locker room for the final time the team circles together. And there's usually one player in the middle that kind of gives like a little, you know, pregame, little pep talk, you know, speech. And then they jump around and go into the locker room on the past, It's been Demarcus Lawrence or Jalen Smith. Lawrence got hurt and Jalen Smith's been handling it. And so today I was interested to see who was going to be doing it. And it was Dak and that's who it should be because that's who everybody on this team follows. And as long as he, is healthy and running this offense and and being himself, as long as he's available and he is who Dak is, who we've known him to be and who he continues to be. uh, I don't think you have to worry about any locker room issues, anything like that. I don't think you have to worry about, uh, you know, any, any like lack of leadership. I I think that that it's, I think it's talked about so much. So people just take it for granted, but it's, it's really, it really is something special.
4: Yeah. And also like, I, I don't want to make too much, too, too much of a big deal about this, but I do think that the fact that Anthony Brown had the pick six like Dak could have easily been over on the sideline you know celebrating with the offense like talking to Kellen, whatever the game was well in hand and he was the first guy to greet Anthony Brown on the sideline and he acted and he was acting like he just threw a game-winning touchdown uh, or something like that like Dak like like you said John it's not just about the offense like from offense, defense, special teams, top to bottom, Dak is Dak is the engine of this whole thing, and he's truly the leader of this group.
2: Well, if there's three home games right there in the bag in a row, add that to the Los Angeles Chargers win in week two. That's four in a row. You're four and one heading to uh, New England next week. John, we're going to let you get on out of here because we know you got to go right. Last thing I uh, have for John – John, did they
1: say anything about the little Kadarius-Tony dust-up at the end of the game? Did any of the players say what what was said or what happened there?
3: No, I didn't hear anything. Now, uh, I was around uh, Stephen Jones for a while, Jerry Jones a little bit, and then McCarthy, Dak, and Trayvon. So out of those people, I haven't had a chance to listen to what some of the other players said, but I had nobody really mentioned anything about that. And to be honest with you, maybe they would have if it was a closer game or opponent that they really felt like they were going – you know, back and forth with, I think they looked at it from more of a standpoint of just kind of like, don't do anything stupid. Obviously this they're not on the same level of a team that we are right now. Don't get drawn off sides by anything stupid like that, you know? And that's, that kind of said that in his own words uh, about there, there was a play there where uh, after it was over, I think it was Terrence Steele kind of jumped on top of a, a, a guy and Dak basically said to him, cause you could see from, from the press box angle that Dak kind of got in his face and was just kind of like yelling at him, like, dude, don't be doing this right now. Like we don't need to, don't do any of that crazy stuff. Like we're good. We're winning. Uh, we're, you know, we're taking care of business. Let's let, let's get mixed up with that. I think if it was a closer game, maybe that would have been a bigger deal, but you could just tell, I don't know, like even when it was close in the first quarter, I just really didn't feel like this was going to be much of a game. And then when Saquon went down and Daniel Jones went down, you're just kind of like, do you, does anybody really think Mike Lennon's coming in here and just leading this like charge? <laughs> like, I just don't, I'm just kind of looking around. Like and I did, I, John. And I'm I thought he if, was
1: going to, yeah, well, obviously,
3: but I'm just like, <laughs> when I I'm saying, i feel like we all, anybody that is followed this team is sensing that when you're watching the game. And so I don't know, like as it was going on, it's just weird because like you're sitting here, you're like, yeah, final score, you know, 44, 20, there just must be like a million positive things to write about. And you're just kind of like, now they kind of just took care of business. They kind of did what you thought that they would do. Uh, if someone would have told you, yeah, Barkley's going to go down early. Daniel Jones is going to go down. They're going to lose uh, their number one receiver on top of the fact that they've already lost Sterling Shepard. They're playing without their, their starting left tackle. Uh, they're playing without Darius Slayton. Like I felt like if, if they didn't play like this, it'd make me question if they are the team that we think they are. And so they took care of business and yeah. I think they still are that team. I think that, I think that there is, I mean, as much as it is, you're kind of beating a dead horse saying this, like you do get that feeling at least for me, that it reminds me of 14 and 16 where things are going in the right direction. There was a lot of talk after last week's game about how like, yeah, this Giants game is going to be a good one to kind of, is it the typical Cowboys where they just, you know, you get all hyped up and then they just disappoint you? And I'm just kind of like, that didn't happen in 14 and 16. And that's exactly what the way that this team feels. Yeah. Did they disappoint you in the playoff? Sure. But like during the regular season, when things started to roll, you just got that feeling, whether you're out at the star, whether you're here after games, during games, that like something, something good is happening here and you get that feeling with this team, and then you just get even kind of more gasoline on the fire because you just know that there's nobody in this division that can hang with them.
2: Yeah, no, it's a given that they're in the playoffs. Like,
3: <laughs> Yeah, but
4: also also, real quick, you talk about leaving points on the board. One play that does come to mind also is Cedric Wilson should have had a touchdown pass today. Like <laughs> whether it was to Noah Brown or CeeDee Lamb down the right sideline, like either way, he should have had a touchdown pass today
3: no doubt, no doubt. Dak joked about that after the game, (laughs) like saying to Cedric, like yeah, I told you it's not as easy as you think it is once you get out there. And and said to him, like, you know, some of those passes when guys are wide open are sometimes more difficult than the ones when someone's defended because everybody in the stadium is looking at it like, oh, this is going to be an easy six. And then you're just like just don't overthrow it. Yeah. Just don't underthrow it. So if I was him and I saw C.D.
1: Lamb like running down completely wide open, I'd be so nervous about overthrowing right. him that I'm just not surprised he went to Noah Brown and was like, "Let's just let's just go for the uh, basically the checkdown throw." At this point, you know. The yeah, other thing that real quick that's fascinating
3: about thinking of leaving points on the board is uh, how the, how the Cowboys have pretty much scored after every one of these Trayvon Diggs takeaways. There was one that they didn't. I think that I think they gave it right back. Might have been against the Chargers. But other than that, one, there was a pick, there was a, the pick six that he had, but all the other ones, they've gotten at least a field goal. I think I, I think I figured it was 23 points they've scored right after or with the pick six on those takeaways. And just so interesting how that, what a play like that can do to ignite things and, and and how positive it it goes for your offense to have that. And the reason I point that out is because like we're just so used to the Cowboys not consistently taking the ball away like that for the better part of the last decade. And so to see it like that, And just to see the dividends, it pays off because, Hey, let's not act like this. Like I said, this isn't the Bucks or Ravens defense that's just shutting teams down. But the equalizer is, is that they can keep taking the ball away and you start getting some of these guys healthy. Maybe they, maybe they do keep improving every week on defense and maybe by the end of the year, they are one of the better. I mean, that was the thing we talked about in the off season was like, all they have to do is get like middle of the pack defense and, 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 and just be respectable. And if they're that, then the offense will take care of everything else. Well, it's like, if they can stay healthy and get Gallimore back, and who knows, maybe get something out of Tristan Hill, get something from Kelvin Joseph, get Demarcus Lawrence back. Like, maybe they are better than middle of the pack. Maybe they're a top ten defense.
2: It was impossible to predict before the season started uh, that Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs would play the way they were playing because that has changed everything. Um, John, thank you so much for your time. We will let you escape and and go uh, do your uh, do your writings. <laughs> Because wow. uh, you have to write on The Athletic. You have to write on The Athletic, too. Um, there he goes. Father John Michiotta at live at AT&T
0: Stadium. See you, John. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: No, he's gone. All right, he snuck off to a to a room there, probably by the kitchen. Uh, Jerry's probably uh, still it's
1: like Ninety minutes after the game, Jerry's probably still talking to the media, so he still <laughs> go down there and get some. Get yeah,
2: some good get quotes. some more. Get
1: some good quotes.
2: You, you know, on those nights when the when the game is like uh, real close, I feel like we have ninety million talking points. And I this was such a game, which just like man, it it was all very clear. Uh, pretty early in the game who 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 the dominant team was and how, how it's going to end up next time they play, too. Just
1: kind of echoing you know, some of the talking points of the past few weeks here on the podcast of Kellen Moore is just on fire right now. I mean, the yeah. way he's getting everybody involved in the offense and keeping this thing dynamic is truly something to behold. And if he doesn't get a head coaching job, he's surely going to get some money thrown at him to go – run an offense go, you know, go run the chiefs offense or something, you know, he's going to, he's going to basically have his pick at the litter. I would feel like of jobs, um, offensive minded jobs in the off season. So that's really cool. Um, also one, one more note I had that John kind of, you know, reminded me of, can we make this grabbing the ankle and rolling in the quarterback's ankle? Can we make that a penalty? Can we, can we oh, make yeah, that? It's terrible. I cannot stand that. And, and, and when that happened to Dak, I'm just waiting for, you know, we we know what they're doing. I mean, they can say, "Oh, I'm going for a sack." We know what they're doing. They're trying to get the guy hurt. I cannot stand that. I when the referee sees that happen, it needs to be a, an unsportsmanlike conduct or or a unnecessary roughness on the quarterback penalty.
2: It's very, it's very uh, James Harrison to me. It's it, yeah. it's just a dirty play. Yeah, um, and Dominic and I mean, Sue is who it reminds me of too. Yeah, yeah, you know you're you're going after a guys and Julian Love. I don't know, I don't know what his full intent was, but it feels like you just piece together the narratives going into the game, and it just felt like when you're going low and it's supposed to be a penalty, right? Going low. I mean, go back to the Carson Palmer thing from mm-hmm. about a decade ago. That's supposed to be a penalty. You know, on that one though, he's he's low to the ground and he's grabbing and uh, I'm glad Dak threw the ball when he did because if he holds on much longer, he keeps stretching out and twisting and, you know, who knows what what happens. So, um, you know, and and then, you know, Dak was obviously good, um, you know, outside of a couple unforced errors and and there was a touchdown pass he should have had to Dalton Schultz in the first quarter that was thrown a little behind him, but it was thrown a little behind him so he wouldn't get – you know, throw the ball to the safety there. And Dalton Schultz dropped it, and they had to settle for a field goal. But, you know, other other than that, man, I, I you know, I mean, obviously it wasn't like a perfect game. There's still a few things you got to work on all that stuff. But if you had told me, like, the Cowboys are going to hold the team to under three yards per carry. Like, I, I just – to me, I'm blown away by some of the things the defense has done. And obviously, Devontae Booker is not Saquon Barkley. But I'm looking at their uh, – the Giants rushing – booker 16 carries for 42 yards. Uh as a whole they averaged under 3 yards a carry. Yeah. What? Um, I mean
1: how much do you attribute that to Dan Quinn because I mean last year it was just they were just getting carved up by every running back in the NFL was like you want an 80-yard to 100-yard game go play this Cowboys run defense. You know that's kind of what it felt like. Has he made that much of a difference Dan Quinn in stopping the run? I, I,
2: I, th- I think he has, uh, but I think there's one thing you have to add in. When you look after Tristan Hill got hurt last year, it was a lot of Antoine Woods next to um, ne- next to ne- Neville Gallimore, you know, kind of a raw rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of that. And then when you start throwing in Brent Urban, who can play a little bit, and he's not going to put up sexy numbers, but he can play, and he can hang in there a little bit. And Carlos Watkins, who's not going to put in sexy numbers, but these guys become be, looking like clear upgrades over what they've had, and I think that's important too. And you, you start getting something out of Chauncey Golston and and Odigie and things like that. Like you aren't getting as much immediate impact either. Yeah. Um, and this is and that's all saying it without getting anything out of second round pick Kelvin Joseph. But you know, when's the last time you were getting such an immediate impact out of a Cowboys draft class? Outside of 2016, um, yeah. where you were getting Malik Collins and you were getting Dak and Zeke, and like Anthony Brown, yeah, and Anthony Brown, yeah. It, it's been it's been a while since you've had that many people come in and, and contribute immediately.
4: Yeah, I, I think when you also think back to that Cleveland game last year, um, you know, you had like you talk about you know Booker not being Saquon Barkley last year, it was De'Ernest Johnson. Who had thirteen carries for ninety-five yards against the Cowboys? There you know you what go. I mean. Like, like yeah. you had nobody's running all over this defense last year. And I agree, KT. Like, you know, it is, it is the personnel is a little better. I do give Dan Quinn a lot of credit though, because I think the way that they have, like, you know, we talk about, you, you, we talk about how uh, infatuated we are with Kellen Moore, and rightfully so. I mean, the play calls, the designs, they're great. Uh, but you know, you have you like there are plays that you know Micah Micah parsons is literally like you know almost in the nose tackle position and like you know like not not down but like you know he's in that he's in that area and he's you know while they're dropping back rushing whatever the case is like i do think the looks are very different um and that 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 plays a huge role obviously especially when you're going up against inexperienced quarterbacks whether it be a guy like daniel jones or mike lennon but um but yeah i think that's that's huge and you know, just to echo what what Kent said, like I think Kellen Moore is just absolutely crushing it. And and you know, some people might look at the Cowboys roster and say, "Well, it's easy to do when you have all those weapons." I I would disagree. Like I I don't think it's I don't think I think uh, every situation has its pros and cons. Like when you have that much talent, you have to find a way to facilitate it appropriately to keep not only keep everyone happy, yeah, yeah, and keep it effectively. And like you know, when you look. Yeah, and when you look at the way that they split Zeke and Tony Pollard, I mean it's the perfect balance, and it's the perfect situations. Um, you know when uh, Tony Pollard needs to get the ball. I know it was Zeke. Uh, they went away from Zeke a little bit today, especially because you know game was in hand and he got hurt a little bit. But uh, look throughout the five, throughout the first five weeks, they they really thread the needle with what that balance should be. It, it reminds me somewhat of. Uh, of smash and dash with uh, Carolina, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. It's not that drastic, but like you know, you just uh, you just know what situation is meant for which player. Whether that's CD Lamb, I, you know, you don't get um, you're not throwing these screens to Amari Cooper. You know that CD Lamb is the guy to do that to. You know C- Amari Cooper is the guy to, to to run those routes. And you know, by the way, Amari Cooper's route running just absolutely phenomenal. But you know, it, he knows how to use the personnel. And I think Kellen Moore deserves a lot of credit for that. Dan Quinn on the other side of the ball deserves a lot of credit for, you know, being down all that personnel and still knowing how to use them appropriately.
2: The Cowboys have scored 170 points through five games. That is first in the league, uh, obviously. And that's depending. As we record this, by the way, the Chiefs and Bills are playing that Sunday night game. That would, that would uh, assume that the Bills don't go off for about 40 tonight. Uh, which could happen. Uh, so the Cowboys have the most points in the league. Uh, the Buccaneers are second, right there at 167. So you're you're defending Super Bowl champs. are showing you by three points in terms of points scored, points allowed uh, for the season. Uh, in terms of a po- point point def- differential, it's the Cardinals who are undefeated. You're you're only undefeated left, only undefeated team left at five and zero. They're at, they're at a plus 62 point differential. Then you have Dallas at plus 53. If, if
1: Arizona was to play Dallas next week, who would you take? Because I feel Where's like Dallas should have should have beaten the Bucks. I still feel like Dallas should be five and zero. Oh, um, you know, and of course they're not, but I feel like I would probably take Dallas next week. I would With take With the way Dallas, they're too. stopping the run, I feel like they could they could probably corral Kyler enough to, yeah. to keep things under control, but. I mean, I, I that just tells you where the, where we think this team is. I don't know if the other everyone in the league feels like that about Dallas, but
4: well, I, and Ken, how about this? Like you talk about next week. What about playing them in Week 16? Possibly, yeah. could home field advantage be on the line? I mean, if the Cowboys keep sure. going this way and that schedule that they have, look, you look at the schedule. Kansas City's a tough one. Vegas might be a tough one. Other than that, like it's just Arizona. Like I, I'm not like you know just. Glossing over everyone else, but literally look at the other opponents. You got you got New England, uh, which of course Belichick could always be tough. Minnesota, Denver, Atlanta, um, New Orleans at New Orleans could be tough, uh, and then Washington, New York, Washington. Mm-hmm. That that Week 16 game against Arizona, it, you know they lose a game or two. The Cowboys maybe lose one or two more games. Kansas City in another hiccup. Like that one could be for home field advantage.
1: I assume the, the Arizona is going to fall off at some point, um, but who knows? I mean, maybe they're maybe they're, they're the team to beat division. at that point. Yeah, they are.
2: Yeah, and they they've got a track record of falling apart a little bit. But you know, for now, given them their due at five and zero. Oh, I guess what I would say, if they were playing, though, to answer your question, Kent. Yeah, I would I would pick the Cowboys. Um, and I realize that you look across the schedule, and I know we do this before the season comes out. The games in question, when you look at the schedule, are the only games uh or the games that are in question uh realistically, right? Uh the obviously it's the NFL, anyone can beat everyone. Let me cover all my tracks here, right? But like Kansas City and Arizona are the games you go, well, I don't know on those. Well, those are the games where the the quarterback of those teams might be better than yours. Uh I think we could say that for sure with with Pat Mahomes. I'm not sure we could say that about Kyler Murray yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that Minnesota game will be tough. You know, I, I do wish the bye week was a little later for the Cowboys this year, um, given that they got out of this one healthy. you know, I do think it's a little early. I, I, I think it's in an 18-week season uh, where you're playing 17 games. I, I do think it, it benefits you to have a bye around 11, 12, 13, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, something around there, more than it does in week seven. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's out of your control, those types of things. So. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just really impressed with everything. I think we need to give the head coach credit for creating or, or being a part of at least uh, of, of a culture and letting this happen and letting Kellen call the plays and all that stuff. Like, that needs to continue. And, and one thing I was looking at, and this is uh, kind of my last big point, uh, if you guys have anything else you want to throw out there, I was looking at Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper, again, for the fourth straight game, just three catches. You know, those last two games, though, averaging over 20 yards a catch and, you know, a big touchdown catch, you know, a big plays. And that's coming off week one where he, I think he had 13 catches in week one. You know, Amari Cooper has been really, really big for this team. And is that wide receiver one for a, for an off season where people have maybe looked ahead a little too much and thought about Gallup and things like that. And maybe it's the perfect storm to, to, you know, start complimenting Amari Cooper when Michael Gallup is hurt. But man, Amari Cooper has been the true number one they traded for and, that's another thing. Him and Dak have always seemed to have pretty seamless chemistry. Yeah. And that's been, been a huge pickup that the front office should get credit for.
1: And you look at the way that Cedric Wilson has come on, I mean, that's just even worse news for Michael Gallup uh, to staying around, I feel like, because, you know, yeah. I feel like Dallas would feel well, really good with Amari, CD, and Cedric as their one, two, and three, even with you know without drafting anybody or without Simi Fahoko coming on in the offseason or some, something like that or Noah Brown still being here. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about the way everyone on this offense has contributed. Uh, you know, Terrence Steele, you guys mentioned Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson and Tony Pollard. I mean, these are the guys you need something from to be a top tier offense in the NFL. You know, Zeke's going to be Zeke and, and Amari's going to be Amari, but in order to keep things unpredictable, I mean, you need something from those guys and they have, they have totally done that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well, real quick. side so their biggest offensive concern is the, literally the center snapping the football to the quarterback. Terrible. I mean, that's that's incredible that that's where we are with this team.
4: Yeah, and last thing that I'll say is that one thing that, like, you know, you gave McCarthy some credit, and I think, you know, something that he really – like, I think the Cowboys organization deserves some credit on is the fact that they're, they're – it really feels like a merit right now. It's not about who has the contract because I think in the past – It was like, hey, we just paid Zeke this money. We need to make sure that we use him. We give him this many carries, whatever. They're not looking at the contracts because if they were, Blake Jarwin would be starring instead of Dalton Schultz. If they were, like, you know, uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard might not have the split that they do. If they were, like, Cedric Wilson might not be as involved. They're just looking at, Jalen would still
1: be here, too.
4: Jalen would still be here, absolutely. And so, when you look at that, they're not looking at... Great points. Contracts Todd. are, and they're just—it's just a merit-based system right now.
2: It's how it should be. How it yeah. should be. We've been begging for that for years. And as easy as it is sometimes to rib McCarthy over in-game type like stuff. His, be- I mean, his best players will play
1: thing. Like I believe that now. Like he said that coming in. He's like, oh, "We're just going to draft, and the best players will play on the field." Like I'm seeing the fruits of that, uh, you know, labor right now. Actually working for the Dallas Cowboys. And that is super encouraging. Um, by the way, Katie, before we get out of here, how crazy were you going during the Packer game and Mason Crosby and all that stuff was going down? Because I like, couldn't, kept thinking of you just going absolutely nuts. I was like, well, he's going to get all the negativity out before the podcast. So no, no, uh, no bad, uh, you know, McCarthy thoughts because I'm sure he's getting it out at, at uh, well, floor earlier than the, the day.
2: Well, you know, first and foremost, I think I'm like a, just a football fan because I, I had that on you know my main screen, but on my other screen there was just so much red zone chaos going oh, on with the nuts. New England Houston game and the, Minas- the NFL. Minnesota Minnesota game. Yeah. Uh, our guy Dan Campbell going for two to get up above, ahead of Minnesota seventeen sixteen, and then the defense gives up a field goal. So there's a lot of uh, you know red zone chaos going on. I I almost I kind of just wanted you never want to see like kickers have that thing where they Get the yips and mentally are in a bad place, but there was a part of me who just wanted to see how long that run would go. I mean, are we gonna dong seven? Are we gonna dong eight? <laughs> yeah. Dong nine? Are we, like we're we gonna set a he was here? gonna
1: make one at some point because he's Mason Crosby. But I mean that that Bengals kicker. I mean, you gotta you gotta put it away in overtime, man. Come on. I mean, they they set you yeah. up. Joe Burrow had them set up, and and that guy. I feel like that guy blew it way more than. Mason Crosby was going to make, you know, give him his 10 chances. He'll make eight or nine of them, probably, you know, yeah. at least. Well,
2: so, I'm going since you mentioned it, and I just wanted to talk about a couple, not, not, not taking a lot of time here. The Cowboys, we've mentioned, like last week, we talked about, man, they hit jar one on the slant for the touchdown pass, even though Schultz was their main target guy. Or it could be CeeDee Lamb, or it could be Cooper, or it could be Zeke or Tony Pollard. You know, if you watch the Packers, the one thing that that you saw there today is, man, if it's not Devonte Adams making a play yeah. for you or Aaron Jones, it ain't anyone else. And that's the advantage the Cowboys have on many teams. I mean, they look literally like an attack that the Chiefs were throwing out a couple of years ago. And There's Tyreek and then there's Kelsey yeah. and then there's one of their three running backs. And or, then or uh, their all of a last sudden, year. Demarcus. Yeah, 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 and then McCole Hardman makes a catch, and then Scotty Miller makes a catch for the Bucks, and then they throw yeah, it to Cameron and- Brate, their backup tight end. Like those teams that can do that, it's so hard to stop. There's not a defense in the league that can stop it. The Cowboys are are now one of those teams, and it hasn't always been that way.
4: No, and it's also, you know, I'm sure you know we'll get into this uh, on the podcast later this week, but uh, it's going to serve them well going into New England because what is Belichick known for? He takes away your number one weapon. Well, I mean, if you're gonna take away your, the Cowboys' number one weapon, they have like six other number one weapons. So,
2: yeah. Well, it was a, a big win, forty-four to twenty. The Cowboys expand on their division lead. They go to four and one. The Eagles, the only other team in the division to get a W today, as they snuck past uh, Carolina, twenty-one to eighteen. Um, we have the uh, New England Patriots next week. The Cowboys have to hit the road before the bye week. 325 next Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Make sure you're following the athletic. John Machota will have his uh, game story will be uh, up uh, for you sometime tonight or early in the morning. And this podcast obviously will be available to you. And we will be back to record on Tuesday for our preview of the uh, New England Patriots game in week six. For Father John Beshota, who is live at AT&T Stadium covering the game today. For our Dallas Stars beat reporter, Saad Youssef, with opening week coming uh, this week. What, what, what night's opening night? The 14th?
4: Yeah, the thir- Thursday the 14th.
2: Thursday the 14th. Saad Youssef, make sure you're following him. For our producer, Kit Garrison, who produces many of our NFL podcasts here at The Athletic, I'm Kevin KT Turner. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys.
0: He's as pure
2: as mother's milk.